1: Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boyd Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. going to do a little Rams cleanup, answer a lot of mailbag and voicemail questions. Um, it's getting to the point where it's like, I don't, I don't know if we can even advertise anymore because we're getting voicemails. Usually, I'd put it on Instagram, and we'd get like five prank calls. And I love the prank calls, but I know if I put it on Instagram, we'll be here. We'll just be here all night. Anyways, Justin, how you doing, my man?
2: Hey, Bobby. We're no longer going to advertise anything, but we should advertise who our new patrons are. Patreons are.
1: We will. We will. We will. And um, this is a tough one. This is a tough week. Well, f- first, I'm not going to say the guy's name because I do see his email, but his name on it is just J-A-N-Y-C. Janike. Janice. Mm. Janice. If he added an E,
2: it would be a, a, clean, a clean Janice. We could say Janice and this no no this technically would be our second female patron. That's true,
1: but his name is John, so it's not oh. actually I'm a Tough. And then Tough I wanna know who this person is. His last name is Fernandez, that's an easy one. And his first first name is Aljosha? Al Josha. Al Josha. I'm usually good with the Hispanic names, you know. Um but Al Josha i don't think he's even in america honestly because of his email address so anyways justin who are those who are these freaking people
2: sorry for the rough stretch of names that we had this week but they went to patreon.com backslash talking giants and for two dollars a month which which they generously have given us they are getting access to live shows they get access to some behind the scenes things and content that maybe we we release early, and also for twice a month they they are entered into a raffle for a Talking Giants shirt.
1: It's a new month too, so we'll have to end. Up, I'll end up doing that on one of my live streams later this month. Um, anyways, Justin, how are you feeling about the? You know, we're gonna answer mailbag and voicemail questions here in a second. How are you feeling overall about the Giants after two days of you know watching film and. And, you know, digesting everything. How are you feeling about uh, our Giants?
2: I haven't looked at a ton of stats, which I honestly think is good for my mental health. I'm going to be looking at a lot of the stats tomorrow. My job gave me Wednesday off. So I'll be spending the large majority of tomorrow writing my talk and analytics blog and tweeting out some stats. So I watched the film and I've been watching the film. And Bobby, I feel good The knowing that we watched a game and knowing that. We had opportunities and we missed opportunities, but being in a place, let's just say, my camera just went out. Let's just say for being 0 and 4, I'm in the best place I possibly could be compared to if I just didn't watch film.
1: Yeah, that's true. There's some things I like, some things I dislike.
2: All right, let's... But when you're, you're, I'm, I'm sorry, but when you're expecting like just bad and sadness and then I turned it on and it was like, oh well, running game here, Daniel Jones there, dropped ball there, defense fun. So we'll we'll get into it. But just know that if if you've been a person that has been complaining about us complaining, or particularly me, I'm gonna I'm gonna be happy this episode. I'm gonna be happy. All
1: right, we'll see how happy you are. I, I have some negative stuff, um, but for the most part I guess it's positive. Anyways, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna have fun, damn it, and we're gonna enjoy ourselves. All right. Speaking of fun, let's let's kick it to Steve from Blue's Clues.
2: Mail time. Mel The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys.
0: Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail.
1: All right. Thanks, Steve from Blue's Clues. Justin. Let's get into the mail.
2: First question in our mailbag, from our mailbag, is from Topher Pete at Topher Pete 629. Topher Pete, it's a shame. You should have got rid of the two. I just realized that your Twitter handle is close to 69. If the losing continues and Dave Gettleman is fired, do you think Merritt and Tish make Joe judge the GM, give him power over everything, and give him two or three years to finish what he started putting into place this season? Bobby, what do you think?
1: So this was why last year I was like, hey, if you're going to keep like, I was like, keep keep both him Gettleman and Shermer or fire both of them, because then you're going to put yourself in a weird decision if they decide to fire Gettleman the next year. And it's I think we're all assuming it's going to happen. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't and I know people are making the Kevin Abrams jokes. And I guess a lot of people actually think that I don't think they're going to go within. I just don't think they could do that Too like, I get Gettleman was an outsider. But he was basically a, a from within guy. And like you point out, Ernie Acorsi was the one that did the evaluation of the of the team. Um, but anyways, no, I don't think so. Uh what does Joe Judge prove to be a GM? You know what I'm saying? Now maybe he would be great at it and from the outside in, we can't see that. But that's I mean, the Texans, what like I said that with the Texans, like, what did Bill O'Brien ever prove to be the GM? Of of the Texans, and I don't I don't really like head coaches being GMs. I think Bill Belichick would be better off not being like you know having some GM power, but not being like the head GM. You know what I'm saying? Because I think they've done some bad like trades and drafts. They move on from guys um at the right times. I give Bill credit for that, but overall like they're not a really a great drafting team. Um uh, so no, my answer is no. I, I Joe Judge hasn't proven anything to say that he should be the GM.
2: Bobby, the Giants have always, always. Now, John Merritt did say this offseason that he's willing to change and that there are changes happening behind the scenes that we can't see. But the Giants have always followed the hierarchical structure of owner is going to have his nose and kind of a little bit of everything. The general manager is going to make player personnel decisions and you know guys that are being traded, brought onto the roster, etc. And the coaches are going to coach. You know, that has always been the structure even going, you know, you're, you're going back to when this franchise had success with George Young and Parcells. So I think it stays the same. If you are on the boat of Joe Judge being a, an evaluator of talent and a general manager, it's because either Joe Judge has convinced Giants ownership or he's also convinced the people that think that he can do that, that because he was a special teams coordinator. And what you're doing as a special teams coordinator is that you are evaluating athletes. You're not just evaluating guys that can catch a football, can rush the passer. You know, you're evaluating athletes and you're evaluating evaluating football players as in their ability to play the game of football, not in like their one little ability to do something right or wrong, which Joe Judge talked about that this offseason. So if you are on that boat where you want Joe Judge possibly being a general manager, that's your that's your avenue where you're coming from of your take so i don't yeah. agree with it i don't, I don't agree with it. I, don't, I don't i don't think it, it would happen i just
1: they're not they're not gonna get one the giants don't do business that way like you mentioned no but joe judge hasn't proved anything i mean joe judge so far has been zero and four now we're, i'm not bashing judge but like he hasn't proven anything to be like oh this guy deserves to be the gm um and hell like you know tom coffin never really deserved like i love tom but i mean look at him as a you know as a as a a, he wasn't a gm but the you know president of football operations so basically the gm um so yeah i don't think joe judge has shown that he deserves a gm position and like i said we want someone that's fresh and this is a question that we'll talk about later in the season if it continues to be really bad but and i don't want this to be taken as joe judge bashing but if the new gm like comes in i want him i don't want the gm to like have prerequisites so like hey like, if, if you think the guy's best for the job and he wants to move on from Joe Judge, then let him do that, you know? Like, put this team in a, G, a new GM's hands if that's what you want to do. Don't give him prerequisites. So if he wants to move on from Judge, let him move on from Judge. Um, Like I said, we're four games in, so this is like some big-time macro conversations. But yeah. anyways, long story short, no, I don't think Joe Judge will be the GM.
2: Yeah, keep an eye out, uh, John Mara May pick the new general manager based off of who will keep Joe judge. That is a possibility that I can see happening. All right. What's our, we, we have a voicemail voicemail.
1: What's up talking Giants?
0: This is Dan from Staten Island, New York. I'm currently call- calling from Staten Island, New York outside my mom's car per Bobby's request. I'm sorry. My car. Whoops. Um, I had to get this voicemail out as soon as possible. Um, so, from what I've seen, the defense is keeping us in games every single week, but we just can't get the offense rolling. And I've said this in a past voicemail, but, like, what the heck are we going to do about this? Because it's starting to come to a point where I think Patrick Grant is doing a good job at with the defense, but it's just Jason Garrett is not finding the right way to get this offense rolling. We do have the potential. All right? You sound under a minute? I'm going to keep it at that. Go Giants.
1: All right, so first rule, um, that, because there's a lot of like mixed-in Jason Garrett questions, so we'll talk about Jason Garrett later, but he hit on Patrick Graham, and Justin, I, I want to start off talking about Patrick Graham. Um, by the way, I changed the voicemail um, greeting. That's why they're leaving. You'll, you'll oh, see a, no. You'll see a theme to it. I changed the greeting.
2: I um, left a nice. I left a nice like talking giant. That's the listeners. issue. It's too
1: nice. It's too nice and too damn professional. And that's not what we're about here. Okay, we are not. First of all, before
2: not- before we get into Patrick Graham, uh, Dan from Staten Island, what wh- what are you doing? Where 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 are you? Like, <laughs> are you okay? Uh, we should also make. Did you, did you You'll make see it a like thing. a require Did you make it a requirement that people had to tell like? Their zip code uh, and the address where they're recording from?
1: You'll see a theme. You'll see a theme for these calls going forward.
2: Okay. All right, Patrick Graham.
1: Okay, so Patrick Graham. And I wanted to start out positive with this this one. And he left the call Sunday night, so credit to him for for getting in on it early. I love Patrick Graham. I really do. And if you have been listening to us for a year, I kind of was out on Betcher around – not, I wasn't out on Betcher around this time last year actually because we won our game three and game four. You were very low on him,
2: like out of everybody. Yeah, you were and I'm, I'm a
1: very patient person, like and well, actually, I feel like I'm I'm becoming less patient with certain things. But anyways, I was like this guy, like he he is not who he was advertised as, and Patrick Graham is. And what did we like going, all offseason? I was like, that's cool that he says multiple, but I'm not I'm not believing it till I see it. And boy, has he done it. I love what he's doing for this defense. He notices little things. I don't know if, you know, a lot of people are starting to watch all 22 film, which is cool. Notice on some big time passing downs, and not just third down, like second down. There's a guy in the flat by the Rams, and they don't cover him. They flat out ignore him and add another person in the middle of the field. And I guarantee you, that is Patrick Graham noticing what the Rams do with their crossing routes and stuff, saying, they are never coming back to that progression. Jared Goff does not come back there. Jared Goff does not come back there. So we're going to help out in the middle of the field. And it showed, man. I mean, this defense shut down what the Rams are good at against a good offensive coordinator, Sean McVay. I love what he's doing with those guys. Um, I love how Tay, Crow- Tay Crowder, man. I'm so excited to see how yeah. he fits in with this defense. Yeah. He allows Blake Martinez to play more aggressive, where Devontae Downs was the exact opposite. And that's why I like Conley. I was like, because it- Conley allows... Blake Martinez, the play aggressive. So I have loved what I've seen out of uh, Tay Crowder. Um, Ryan Lewis. Now, the nature of these these episodes is there are a lot of offensive calls. So you, you, ta- you take it away because I don't want to b- talk about every single defensive player before you speak because we don't have a lot of calls about the defense.
2: No, I, I want to hear what you have to say about Ryan Lewis because I'm very interested. But this was the first game that we saw Adrian Colbert. And while the Giants defense has been pretty darn good at not allowing the deep passing play throughout the entire season, so I'm not going to say, oh, look at Adrian Colbert because he was in the game and because he played single high in Miami towards the second half of last year and he looked particularly good. Hey, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, Adrian Colbert had a really good game, but there was no deep passing plays down the field and there have been some plays and there have been some times this year where we have seen Julian Love look a little confused and Julian Love has been the guy that's been asked to play the single high safety while Peppers and Ryan have been the strong safeties slash a little bit closer to the box. So that's one thing, but why, you know, partially why you're so happy with what you're seeing from Patrick Graham. Is Bobby, I don't know if he's multiple because I guess, you know, how do you define multiple with three, three, five? It's not uh, multiple four, two. in
1: three, four, four, three. It's multiple in how he used like just yes. dip, like you never know like yes. what is coming on that defense. Where last year it's like, okay, we're just playing cover two all game. We're right. We're playing cover so, three all game. We're we're do, doing man coverage with like with Patrick Graham, it's different every play. There's no like true identity to this defense where it's like the 49ers their cover three defense. Um, you know, the Bucks were a Tampa 2. The Bears are a Tampa 2 defense. There's no, like, identity of, like, this is what we're facing this week.
2: Yeah, so two plays consecutively that Patrick Graham showed early in the game was Darnay Holmes was coming off of a nickel blitz, forced Jared Goff. Got I wouldn't say QB hit. He got the QB pressure. It forced Jared Goff when he was targeting a guy on the sideline. It forced an errant throw. The throw went out of bounds. The next play which was a Kyler Fackrell sack, B.J. Hill drops into coverage towards the middle of the field that absolutely throws Goff off for probably about a half a second to a second, and that extra time that Goff needs to take to realize what he is seeing in front of him allows Kyler Fackrell to beat the left tackle and to get the sack. So he's throwing various things out there And he's, he's utilizing guys in in interesting ways. Hey, you want to know what some plays we don't want Darnay Holmes necessarily in coverage 24 seven all the time. So we're going to bring him in on a blitz and he's going to try to be productive that way. BJ Hill, you're the third defensive lineman, or excuse me, you're the fourth defensive lineman for a reason. So when you're out there, you're going to be dropping back on third downs and you're going to be in coverage. So it's great. It's fun. And it's exciting. I love it. And like,
1: I tweeted that he's a great defensive coordinator and then I, like 20 minutes later I was maybe I was maybe I was a little quick to you know pull the trigger on to call him a great defensive coordinator but what I meant is like I love what I've seen out of him and people will point out the San Francisco game. I love the way he called that San. The only thing I didn't like that Patrick Graham did this year was the 3 man rushes versus Chicago cuz it gave Trubisky just able to like just the ability to just run around and, and let guys get wide open. I was fine with the way he called San Francisco. You can only hide Isaac Yedem, um, yep. a rookie nickel corner, Darnay Holmes, um, Devontae Downs, who is trash. You, it's hard to hide those guys for an entire game, yep. and the, give the, the 49ers credit for attacking those guys and figuring out ways to do it. So I thought I think he's done a good job hiding the bad players, and hopefully Tate Crowder is a good player going forward. So um, I, I've been I've been happy with the way he uses it. He doesn't just screw bad players over.
2: Two things about that 49er game. Number one, uh, don't think Patrick Graham needs to apologize for allowing the best offensive mind in the NFL to beat him. Uh, Don't think he needs to apologize for that. And secondly, you know, on these stretch run plays, now I know that's not necessarily what killed the Giants. What killed the Giants is just their inability to get off on third down, which they did this past Sunday. They did a great job of getting off the field on third down, but if Tay Crowder's in there, and Tay Crowder's strength is his athleticism, it's his ability to go sideline to sideline, and he actually made some plays this past weekend um, on some stretch plays, some jet sweeps to Robert Woods. He shut those down, and yes. he was playing aggressive. He got he got a helmet on the ball carrier. Um, it was very, very impressive to see what he can do, and Bobby, it's for the reason of... You know, not necessarily, am I going to say Tay Crowder's, you know, maybe the smartest football player out there? Maybe not necessarily, but what he is, he's an athlete and he plays fast. And that's what this defense needs. Aggressiveness and
1: instincts. That's what I asked for out of a backside linebacker. Blake Martinez has been able to play aggressive, but that playside linebacker has to, you know, be a little, like you can't just go, 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 or you'll get taken advantage. Backside linebackers, man, know your gap and hit it hard. And that's what Tay Tay Crowder has done. So, like I said, a lot of offensive calls going forward. Can we talk Ryan Lewis for a second?
2: I, I wanted to ask you to to go into him because I want to hear what you have to say.
1: I was impressed with the way he played. Let's relax before crowning him the cornerback, too. He played better than uh, any game you or Ballantyne's have this year. But we do – like, it's – we don't ha- – I can't say in concrete we have our cornerback, too, yet. There were some very impressive – when he got – target when he was targeted – he did a pretty good job. Um, so some good stuff there, but we need to, you know, pump the brakes on Ryan Lewis a little bit because we could very well see the Cowboys throw for over hundred yards on the guy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. So, but he is basically Giants fans should expect out of the three Ballantyne, Yidium or Lewis, Lewis should be the guy that should be trotting out there and at least done. first. Yeah, Valentine's Dump. But, uh, you know, just talking about just in general, Lewis should be the guy that we're expecting out there first play this upcoming Sunday. Yep. Okay. All right, next call. Have a couple Daniel Jones voicemails. Hey,
0: guys. This is Gordy. Uh, I'm 69 years old and uh, been a Giants fan since I was six. I'm the aunt in New York. And I forget what else I'm supposed to say. Oh, I'm calling from a bridge... <laughs> over a little stream on my handicap scooter. Anyways, uh, you guys are great. I listen to Five Giants Podcasts and uh, the two things that keep me from depression are you guys and uh, Ramstein. Anyway, two questions. Uh, uh, Daniel Jones is reminding me of uh, Mitchell Trubisky and uh, that Jacksonville quarterback from a few years ago, whoever he was. Um, something about having no magic. Why don't you comment on that? The other thing I'm curious about, I really like Joe Judge. I mean, I, I'm, I, it's hard for me to get down on him. And I wonder what that's about. What do you think it's about that I might, or other people too, might continue yeah. to like him, even though they're losing? Keep up the good work and keep my spirits up. You're doing it. Thanks, bye.
1: All right Gordy left a voicemail call or a, a follow up
0: uh, uh sorry guys it's uh Gordy again. I realize uh, I said I'm sitting on a bridge in the stream and uh, i'm not uh, I'm not suicidal or anything like that. I also mentioned depression, so i'm I'm laughing now. Uh, so. <laughs>
1: feel you gordy i love the water i love to spend some time there so i like that he called from there and then he called back he's like you know what i was mentioning um being depressed by the giants and being on a bridge with my scooter and that that could have came off wrong so i i appreciate the follow-up on that gordy um so we'll answer his daniel jones thing in a second um but uh joe judge wise i think why i like joe judge is because he's old gordy's an old man and joe and joe wow. judge plays to the old old people with that, I mean he that's, plays to me too. I'm just saying,
2: that's not necessarily true. I mean Gordy's talking about why don't you have the feeling that Daniel Jones has the magic? You have the feeling that Joe Judge has the magic.
1: Has the magic, the Orlando Magic. All right, right and then our one of our favorite listeners, Tim Coffee, left a call too, because I told him to. All right, Bobby, this is Tim Coffee from North
0: Carolina. Um, yeah, I'll leave a message. Talk me off a. I'm going to leave I'm going to try and leave this on the Talking Giants one not the Patreon only uh, talk me off an effing ledge man because what I see out of Daniel Jones is I see a guy that doesn't fit what the coaching staff wants or a coaching staff that has no idea how to use a guy like him and I don't see progression I don't see jack shit to be honest with you I see a great defense and I see a lot of confusion out of a young quarterback that uh, really makes a lot of bad decisions so go ahead talk me off that ledge because as of right now
1: I'm about to jump so we have Gordy calls and says, just letting you know I'm not jumping off a bridge. And Tim Coffee calls and says, I'm about to jump off of a bridge. So that's the state of the talking giants voicemail line right now. Me, this me is changing what,
2: up the voicemail greeting has really shaken up our world. This is community in action right now. This is this is what community looks like. Um what do we want to attack? Well, we already kind of we we said Joe why do you like Joe Judge, Gordy? Gordy, uh Joe Judge has the magic. Or at least he feels like he has the magic. So I, I think we answered that. So let's so, talk about
1: Daniel Jones. I, I'll let you yeah. start. I want to say I was so pissed off at myself Sunday night. Or what was it, Monday morning or whatever? Because we and you argued about that last throw. And then I went back and watched it. And I, was, and I saw it and I was like, damn it, Justin was right. Justin was right. I was so pissed off at myself. And I was waiting for tweets about it. Got some YouTube comments. I was wrong, okay? One, one out of – I make one mistake in two years – it's the only mistake I've ever made. I was wrong, but I want to kick it to you. What do you? What are your thoughts of Daniel Jones?
2: How tough was it to type all those times? Because we did get a decent amount of YouTube comments. How tough was it for you to say Justin was right, Bobby was wrong? How, that must have been really tough.
1: Um, it. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold I on. I think
2: with any other person, if you were wrong, like okay, I was wrong, but we the fact have just that it, it was, live.
1: we should have just went and the, watched it.
2: The fact that it was over me, well, no, because you have a big, I have a big ego, but you also have a big ego, and this is why the show's good. Because of your big ego, you didn't think that I was right. But because I was right, I think that got to you. So that must have been really tough. Bobby, thoughts on Daniel Jones? Well, pardon me, Mr. Perfect. I guess I forgot that you never, ever make a
0: mistake.
2: Anyways, um, what was your question? Well, Well, you asked me a question thoughts on Daniel Jones yes um so I mentioned the CPOE the cle- the completion percentage over expected um, uh, this past weekend and that basically and it was the lowest in the NFL from this past weekend I did not check the Monday games but based off of Sunday's games it was the lowest in the NFL and that includes Nick Mullins who had a very bad game um probably not lower than the two Patriots quarterbacks that played last night and the and I watched the tape and I watched the film and the reason why it was low, and the reason why apparently Daniel Jones was the least accurate quarterback in the National Football League this past weekend, despite completing like 65% of his passes, the reason why it was so low is because I'm using NFL Next Gen stats, and it largely relies on player tracking data. So it's, re- it's saying, where is the closest cornerback nearest to the targeted wide receiver, and where is the football going in comparison to where the wide receiver is? So, Bobby, I thought that there were some throws that Daniel Jones missed over the, on the sideline, and I sent you the clip that I was talking about. Daniel Jones got hit on a couple throws. There were a couple throws where there was like a safety or a linebacker that was in the flat, where if Daniel Jones tried to arc a ball or if he tried to, you know, shoot a ball inside a gap where it was a guy on the sideline, it would have been picked off, it would have been tipped, it would have been incomplete. So, Jones You're saying Jones analytics a- sucks? No, I'm saying that it's nuanced, and... You have to contextualize what what you're looking at. So this past weekend, you know, the NFL Next Gen uh, CPOE metric, it's based on that player tracking data, but you have to look at kind of what's going on around Jones. So I was not as upset with what I saw from Daniel Jones. Jason Garrett's a different story because that's just a running storyline, and I don't think that's changed from last week's and then even Monday's show, but Whenever there was some kind of deep concept and the two deep concepts that the Giants had this past Sunday and the two uh, the two deep plays, one went to Ratley, I want to say, then the other one went for 33 yards to Darius Slayton. And what both of those plays had is they had their slot receivers running a streak down the field and then their outside receiver was running an in route. So because you had the slot wide receiver, he was pulling the slot corner and he was pulling a safety down the field. It left the middle of the field wide open. So, you know, this isn't, I don't want to say that, hey, let's just run this more because offenses and defenses are going to eventually see that. And if you try to copy and paste it too much, it's going to get repetitive. Similar concepts. But it's similar concepts. And I don't know, Daniel Jones has been able to read that well and it's worked. And it worked twice last week. And I'm pretty sure we only ran it twice.
1: So, I'll save my total offense takes for when we get asked about Jason Garrett, and I'll keep this just to Daniel Jones. Um, by the way, Gordy, how, how are you going to compare him to the two quarterbacks I hate the most in the NFL that got have been picked in the first round? Trubisky.
2: Maybe he's talking about uh, Blaine Gabbert. Blake
1: Bortles. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I mean, I can't stand both those guys. Um, Hopefully, he didn't mean Blaine Gabbert. Uh, anyways, he, like Mark Slareth was like being like, this guy doesn't go through progression. One, Sheriff said that on that play where there was no routes being ran, you know? And also, now he does lock on the re- like receivers. Like He does. I'm not denying that. But also, he's like, they're literally playing in a slow motion, like still not off his first read. It's like, yeah, we'll play it in, in full speed. Um, And like they did it on that on that fourth down. And it's like, he made the right progressions. He just threw the ball high. Um, But anyways, he has been inaccurate on some throws. And he is still like holding on to the ball a little bit and with this short game it seems like I'm saving my Jason Garrett takes but they're trying to turn him into this quick trigger guy and that's just not who he is so when you're doing that in some short like like f- very short um concepts paired with receivers that don't get separation it leads to mistakes and he has mi- like and he should own those mistakes but it's been um I haven't been happy with Daniel Jones you know and I love Daniel Jones um, and I'm going to give him every chance, but these last couple of games, I haven't been happy with him. Um, a lot of my frustration stems from um, other things, but I you can't say, I can't sit here and say like Jones played good the last two games. He didn't play as yeah, bad no. as like you bad. Know, people make it out to be, but he hasn't played good the past two games.
2: No, um, Bobby. I felt when I was rewatching the film, I felt the offense for the majority of the game was near the 40 yard line like either the 40-yard line on their own side or the 40-yard line of L.A. side. And they're trying to put together drives, but they just can't finish. They can't finish, and that's been the the problem throughout the entire season. But San Francisco, it was just non-existent of any kind of movement. But at least there was movement, especially in the second half, and that's what happens when you're not just a one-dimensional offense and you can run the ball a little bit. Bobby, while you're doing your offensive line review, I know you're looking at the offensive line. So you're not necessarily looking at Daniel Jones. But when you're doing your offensive line review, there was a few times when I'm watching film where I'm like, dude, guys are just getting pushed back into Daniel Jones and he's just sitting in the pocket. He's standing there and it seems like he's a statue. Now, I don't want to put this Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers expectation on Daniel Jones. I don't want to do that. But there are a few times where he is pressured. He does get hit and he waits for things to totally just break down in front of him until he's able to move the pocket and try to expand the play that way. And that's probably the thing that I got most frustrated, that, dude, you have the athleticism, the natural athleticism, to expand the play. Sure, you're not going to be Russell Wilson throwing on the run, but you have that natural athleticism to expand the play when things break down in front of you on the offensive line. But
1: long-term, I don't want him to be that kind of guy that's scrambling around like crazy. Um, right, I want him to learn how to operate from the pocket, and that's what like that's what good QBing is, and then using your legs as needed, like you said. Now, if you're Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, yeah, you're gonna be go- you're gonna be looking like a madman back there, but that's not who Jones is. So, um, nonetheless, have been uh...
2: I think it's a balance. It's a balance, just like with anything in football. He there are times where if if you're getting a, an offensive tackle pushed into your pushed into your lap, and Thomas but then, has
1: struggled the past like. He got a lot yeah. better after that first quarter, man. I was so frustrated with Andrew Thomas because it wasn't like, he, like, you know, he had some reps against Aaron Donald, but the Rams shouldn't have done that to him. Now he got a lot better as it went on, but the same things that he like, and that's what bothers me. And, and these are draft talking points is people were like, Oh, he's the most pro ready. He doesn't have a high ceiling. And I viewed it as the opposite where I was like, he, I feel like he has the most to work on. He just was able to rely on him as just a athlete to beat, these best they, yeah. people called him the most pro ready because he beat uh, Ch- uh, on Chase on candidly. He beat Josh Allen. He beat um, Julian Acora handily. I feel like that's what people call pro ready where it's like, yeah, but he needs to work on his punch. Sometimes he leans a little bit. Um, his his inside moves. His foot, inside
2: moves have been the biggest thing. Yeah. And
1: his footwork has been bad in the in college. He was awesome at shutting that down and recovering in the NFL. You got to have your feet working with with that. And that's where I was like, I don't think he's the most. I think Jedrick Wills is the most pro-ready. And I like Thomas more. Yeah. Like, I, because Jedrick Wills, like, technique is, is like, it's kind of capped out. You know what I'm saying? Where Jedrick Wills kind of gets beat on some athleticism sometimes. Um, and Werfs, who I guess has been playing really good at right tackle. And then Becton, I hope he gets healthy. Because I will say this, um, because I did like Thomas the most. If Becton can stay healthy and play at the trajectory, he's the best out of these four. I yeah. know it's early, but he has been wowing. Now he hasn't; he's had bad plays, but he has been wowing. So you know, I was a Thomas Sky, but after four games, I mean, Becton would be hard to pass up. Now he's he's been injured, so anyways, back to Jones. Um, I don't. We went off an yeah. offensive line.
2: right? <laughs> yeah, we actually have a, a zone defense. Yeah, question ask that. Spe- Speaking speaking of accuracy with Daniel Jones, Chicago Giants fan at Chicago's Giants FM. There have been some people who have said that Jones struggles with zone defenses. Is there any validity to that? I tend to, I tend to agree with that assertion. What do you guys think? All right. So this is
1: based off of, um, NFL next gen. Like you said, they're tracking stuff. They don't know how to track zone and man coverage. Cause sometimes zone looks like man coverage. Um, remember last year, a guy wrote an article saying Jones's first touchdown against zone was against Chicago. And I went back and looked and there were six of them. Um, that's based now. I'm, he hasn't been lighting it up, so you could say he's struggling right. against zone. Um, but that to me is not like like that. That to me is a myth. Um, now, like I said, you could say he's struggling against zone because he's struggling kind of against everything right now. But no, um, I feel like that, like just like this whole like, oh, he just can't play against zone. Uh, that's that's a product of their tracking stats and yeah. not, and and they do, And that's not me just calling it out. The guy who runs it even came out and said, like, yeah, it's really hard for us to figure that kind of stuff out. And then that guy, the guy who was being arrogant, Frisco Josh, said, oh, I'll have to change my article after being a snarky douche.
2: Also, I feel like a lot of Daniel Jones's big plays last year came against man coverage, which I think that is backed up. That's backed up by the, the stats. So... This is also a this is also a Jason Garrett problem when you're eliminating Daniel Jones's ability to throw the ball deep down the field. you're eliminating his ability to read coverages and see that oh, this defense is in man coverage, so I'm more confident to attack deep down the field when we're in man cover when a defense is in man coverage versus zone. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility in terms of just because we don't have concrete data of where Jones is better against this coverage, that coverage, whatever. You can look at the tape and I'm especially thinking of the the passing the passing touchdown that went to Golden Tate last year where it was, you know, one-on-one man on man Jones put that ball in a perfectly placed spot. So it's partially a Jason Garrett problem, Bobby, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to Jason Garrett in a second. Let's uh take this voicemail.
0: Gentlemen, this is Brian from New Jersey calling in to ask about Matt Perk and his uh appearance. And during the last series of the first half of the game, I thought it was very random, especially on a drive that could have put some points on the board. And then he was nowhere seen in the second half of the game. Uh, Post-game, Joe Judge had mentioned that he was doing it to just get him some on-the-field playing time. It just seems like a very odd time for it to happen. And I'm kind of curious what you guys think. Is that a sign that we might be seeing more of him as we go down the road and maybe Bayes swimming out or was that just a, a random experiment or where do you think we're heading with this because I feel like there's some uh, definite potential with him and if we're gonna have a year where we're kind of developing these younger players why not get him in there and get more reps love what you guys are doing and can't wait to hear more all the best peace
1: so before we talk about Matt Perry I want to ask you what did you think of that experiment to just play him for one drive because that I don't think I've ever seen that before
2: First off, uh, Brian Colburn is a longtime listener. He mm-hmm. also has a music podcast called Tune Styles mm-hmm. Podcast. I've listened to it. Where he does he does some fun interviews. Yeah, he's awesome. He's absolutely awesome. I think he's a he's ten times better the better podcast than I am. So I agree. uh, uh yeah, really. What did I think of the experiment? I thought he was hurt. <laughs> I thought Fleming was hurt. I was or he was just benched. In, or he or he was just benched, right? Um, I think I like it because even though it's a different way of doing things, of we're just going to give reps here and there uh, to Parrot, because it's not going to hurt Cam Fleming's confidence. Cam Fleming knows that he is signed here for one year. He knows that unless he absolutely balls out, which PFF really thinks that Cam Fleming is balling out, unless he's really going to ball out, he's not going to get a contract extension with the Giants, and the Giants already have some other contingency plans there. Plus, there's Nate Solder. (sighs) Um. Yeah, I I thought it was strange, but it's also different from uh, the other coaching staffs that we had, where other coaching staffs has have been hesitant to even give underexperienced guys reps. So on a two minute drill, was too, a, it was interesting. Yeah, but it was so it was strange. I I like the timing of it because two minute drill defenses are trying to prevent you from throwing the ball down the field. Not like Jason Garrett was going to throw the ball downfield anyway. However, there there were two really big drops on that two-minute drill where Daniel Jones actually threw the ball past the sticks, and it changed the the entire complexion of the drive. Uh, Darius Slayton dropped the ball, and I believe C.J. Board dropped the ball on the sideline. So that changed the the entire complexion of that drive when I actually criticized the play calling and the things that happened that drive. But anyway, I like it because you're not really going to be throwing the ball 30 yards down the field on that final drive because the defense is going to be preventing that. And then also they were doing the quick little rushing game too. So, because there weren't that many guys in the box. So, sure, have Parrot come in.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. Now, going forward, would you start Parrot? Because he showed some good, but also some, like, not good in that drive. Um, I would be okay with it, but I would have the expectation that he's going to struggle. You know what I'm saying? Now, and after two games of struggling, people would be like, this guy's garbage. So I would have the expectation that he's going to struggle if he came in and played Like, and started and played full games.
2: If the running game wasn't historically bad, then yes. But the fact that the running game has been historically bad, and they're actually starting to put together a few different stretches of positive runs. Now, Bobby, I know you think that Matt Parrott would be a much better run blocker than he would be as a pass blocker. I understand that, and, you know, I respect that. But simply because of chemist for chemistry reasons... And just for playing together and playing as a unit, because the offensive line is not like just one of those positions like maybe wide receiver where you can just plug and play. And, you know, a guy may not be able to miss a beat. These guys need to move as a unit. So Kevin Zeitler and Cam Fleming, they've had that and the tight ends. They've had that communication for these first few weeks. Unless Fleming is really stinking up the joint, which he hasn't been. He hasn't been great. Unless he's stinking up the joint, I'm not really making that move. I would love him to continue to get reps, though, here and there.
1: Yeah, I'm not making that move yet either. It's too early. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. All right, next question.
2: Uh, we have Colburn voicemail. Jesse wide receiver. Speaking of wide receivers, speaking of wide receivers, Jesse C at Jesse uh, or uh, Jesse P E underscore Chamina. So possible separation issues for our wide receivers. And we got teased with Austin Mack last week. When are we going to give one of the young boys a shot? Who would you guys like to see get a stab at some reps first?
1: I would say Derek Dillon, just because he's the fastest, you know? Yeah. Not to say he's going to be good it'd be just fastest. Can I say something? Cause there's a lot of people mad about Austin Mack not getting reps and I get it, but also like they well, he didn't, he didn't even play or yeah. They're being inactive. Um, don't they kind of like that could have been just them like, hey, we gotta call up somebody. Let's call up Mac. You know, you know?
2: It could be a we're hearing rumblings that another team wants to poach this guy from the practice squad and we're gonna sign him and we're gonna put him on the active roster because we don't want to lose him. We we don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I just can't see guys that were undrafted free agents that we don't it's not like that we were like in love with them. We want to see them we wish we could have had preseason so we could have some more takes on them. But I'm not I can't I, I can't be mad about like why the hell is Benjamin Victor, and and Austin Mack and Derek Dillon not playing? You know, because if we had a if if Damian Ratley was an undrafted free agent of this team, we might be saying the same thing like why is Ratley not playing? You know. Um, yeah,
2: it's also a a part of what at, at this pace would they like the amount of practices that they got in? Would they be would we be in the fourth week of the preseason? Is that where we normally would be? So, if for all the fans that we're talking about, how come we're not seeing them two weeks ago? It's tough. It's a tough spot for an undrafted free agent. And hey, this is—you can say that this is that this is a little knock on Gettleman. That why are you taking uh, uh, C.J. Brunson, which C.J. has—is C.J. Brunson even suited up yet? First of all, C.J. Cam- no, he's been
1: inactive every week.
2: Damn, that's my bad. Bad I I will
1: say good on us for saying, like, you know what? TJ Brunson was taken over Tay Crowder, but Tay Crowder was better than TJ Brunson.
2: Yeah, and there were still some talented wide receivers on the board. Uh, Cam Brown, I understand they believe in Cam Brown, and you didn't draft Cam Brown because of his ability to play in 2020. You drafted him for the future, but again, you know, in that sixth round, you had some talented wide receivers on the board, so... You know, this is you could say it's a knock on Gettleman for having a stacked wide receiver class and not taking a wide receiver. And now what do the Giants need? We need wide receiver play badly. Bobby, I guess out of anybody, I would I would have to agree and say Derek Dillon because there's nothing easy on this offense. There's there's nothing. So if we're talking about bringing in a guy who's really fast and can, you know, move up and down the field north and south pretty quickly. Screens, jet sweeps, something. They've been trying to run jet sweeps with uh, Ratley or Board, and I don't think I don't I don't think they're I don't think they're going to be breaking any records with their speed. But Dylan might. But also, I wouldn't mind to see Mac if if we're going to throw the ball down the field. But there's no point of bringing up Mac if you're not going to throw the ball down the field and give him that opportunity to get a one on one catch.
1: Wide receiver group is bad, man. Golden Tate has. I know you didn't like Golden Tate last year. I did. He's 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 dropped off from last year, I think. You know, and they're not using him like downfield like like um Sherman did, which we'll get to in a second with with some Jason Garrett stuff.
2: I actually have a little bit of a Tate take based off of what I watched on the film, and I'll be very quick about this because I know we still have a lot left. Tate actually had some intermediate routes, which he did well. Jones found him in the middle of the field on a particular route. He also had the yards after catch where he didn't really necessarily juke anybody, but it was on the third down. And he, a lot of people got mad at him because he actually fell down when there were two defenders in front of him. So I would not mind if Golden Tate returned back to his kind of former days where he was more successful than he was in 2019, where he was catching the ball, you know, somewhere around his average depth of the target was six, five, six, seven yards instead of nine yards like it was last year. I wouldn't mind if Golden Tate returned to that quote unquote Sterling Shepard role in the slot. And trying to be reliable for Daniel Jones because no, nothing is easy, nothing is reliable to Daniel Jones ra- right now. Rather than trying to check it down to Evan Ingram.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Long story short, wide receiver is a huge need, and you know Shepard being out doesn't help. Saquon being out doesn't help, but it's it's um it's it's a big time need, you know. And Slayton doesn't look like a true number one. We got a little excited after that Pittsburgh game. He doesn't look like he's a a a, a true blue number one. Now part of that might be. Uh, who the next voicemail is about.
0: Hey guys, it's Hunter from Ithaca, New York. Calling from my car, just got out of my class. And I was wanting to hear your take about Jason Garrett and the, as an offensive coordinator. And how long do you think he's going to last as the offensive coordinator of this team? Because this offense was able to put up points last year and it's just not looking like they're able to do that this year. And Pat Graham is, Really done a good job with our defense
1: and has turned that into the strongest point of the team. Uh, love to hear what you guys say, big fan, first time caller. Uh, take care, guys. Thank you for calling in, Hunter. Um, so we'll we'll ask. Let's not answer. There's a question about how long does Jason Garrett left? Um, in the in the mailbag. I obviously went off on Jason Garrett last week, but I also had some people been like, hey, you know, it's it's a young season, it's a weird off season. Give it some time. I'm out, man. It's I'm out last year. I couldn't stand better because he played like a pansy and I liked Shermer. It's the opposite this year. I love Patrick Graham because he doesn't coach like a pansy and Jason Garrett coaches like a pansy. And I feel like you know, whoever the quarterback is next year, whoever the quarterback is, Jason Garrett cannot be the offensive coordinator. And honestly, if they fired him today, I would celebrate it. I really would. I, I I'm so out on Jason Garrett. Why did we ever fall for this guy? Why did, we ever fo- Why did we ever think this guy was going to change? I mean, he is coaching Daniel Jones like a pansy. And they have taken a guy who took downfield shots. And it's not like the offense was a juggernaut last year. But, like I said, he had a touchdown in every single game last year. Most of the time, it was multiple touchdowns. And he hasn't had a touchdown in three straight weeks. We have had scored nine points, nine points, 13 points, 16 points. This offense has – it's literally – the worst offense in the NFL. Daniel Jones yeah. is dead last in throwing the ball deep. His rate has been cut in half. Cut in half. He is dead last. Maybe Daniel Jones isn't the guy. That's open for discussion. But I know for a fact Jason Garrett is, man. He has ruined what this, what this, any momentum that this kid had going into 2020. Everything is short. Every, I mean everything. And every time they do run something downfield, you actually see some good stuff happen. And it's not like... It's not like you have to, you know, run, uh, air raid everything deep. You can have deep concepts and also have checkdowns within it and have some longer developing checkdowns because Jones likes to hold on to the ball. So you can be downfield, downfield, and then come back and have Caden or your running back on a, you know, a five yard curl. And Pat Shermer actually started putting some of those things in at the end of last season. So this isn't some I miss Pat Shermer, you know, point. I I do as an offense coordinator, I get that you can't demote a guy to offensive coordinator. But I'm out on Jason Garrett, and if that means I'm whining and I'm complaining, and it's a young season, sorry, but I, I got heat for getting rid, getting on Betcher last season, and at the end of the season, everyone, there wasn't a single person who agreed with me. Hell, Carl Banks, who's a homer, was bashing James Betcher at the end of last season. I'm out on Jason Garrett. Maybe Jones isn't the guy, but whoever our QB is going for, it cannot be Jason Garrett. He has, he is coaching like his 2009. He is. He has It is the most boring, bland offense compared with, and everything's short. So we have a QB who can lock on the guys and isn't reading things super quickly. That's what happens with young QBs. So everything's short and paired with wide receivers that get no separation. Sorry, Garrett, you don't have the best wide receivers in the NFL anymore. Um, Obviously, the Cowboys didn't, but they had good wide receivers. And everything is short. And I know Dez Bryant and Terrell Owens are assholes, but you know what? They openly hate Jason Garrett openly hate him talk about how he will there he is the most there will never be success if Jason Garrett's there and you know what Tony Romo was the offensive coordinator for that Dallas team and you look at Dallas now they're putting up points with Mike McCarthy who I don't like but they had an all-pro offensive lineman offensive line Zeke who's a top three back wide receivers like Amari Cooper Gallup who's pretty good now they have C.D. Lamb and Dak who we think is you know pretty good we don't we don't think he's elite but he's pretty good so it was just and Kellen Moore was calling it. I'm so out on Jason Garrett. I know this is a long rant, but I'm done. He he has to totally change this around. How could he look at this, look at this offense that it's the worst in the NFL and no downfield stuff and not change? Maybe he does change. Maybe he sees that and changes. Everyone from Dallas says this, don't bank on it. So maybe please change. But how could he cannot look at what they've done so far and say. Yep, keep doing it this way. Keep doing it this way. And don't give me the excuse that it's a it's a weird season because there's other teams that are in a weird season too and they're putting up points at a record pace. And we are a laughingstock. Our offense is a disgrace. So I know that was a rant, but I, I'm just out on him. And like I said, maybe
2: Jones isn't the guy, but I promise you Jason Garrett's not the guy. I hate to be the guy that just looks at one team and says, see, but... Matt Rule, I'm I'm looking at uh, NFL tiers in terms of EPA, which is expected points added, which basically means is how good is your offense at operating in a play-by-play manner where you are adding some sort of expectation that you are going to be eventually be putting points on the board. That is what EPA basically means. And Carolina Panthers right now, who are also without their superstar running back, are right in the middle of the pack. They are right at average.
1: Historically, it doesn't take chances. And, Teddy and, what, Bridgewater. and they actually, they and they actually have been taking downfield. some tanches. Yeah. <laughs> That's the ironic I mean, I thing. I used to trash i trash—trash trash Teddy Bridgewater all season. It's like, good luck, Robbie Anderson. You have a QB who's never going to take it deep. They're taking shots. Joe Brady, who I loved, is taking shots. Hell, even the Jags who suck are putting up some points with Jay Gruden and Gardner. Like a team that we thought was going to be 0-16 and, and tank for Trevor yeah. Lawrence. They're even doing some good things. I mean, it's pitiful what Jason Garrett is, man. It, I cannot... I went back and looked at my video when we hired Jason Garrett and I, I, I look at myself and I was like, so dumb. Cause I was said I said all the bad things about him and said, and kind of brushed it off. I said, you know, none of his, uh, uh, there's people who can't stand him. And people say, Tony Rumble is the offensive coordinator and that team had talent and they underperformed. And I was like, why did I brush all that off? Why did I ever fall for it with this guy?
2: Well, what you were hoping is that 10 years went by and Callan Moore who did some pretty awesome things, Kellen Moore. I I think it's Kellen Moore. I think is going to make a hell of a hell of a head coach. I think he may follow a a Stefanski pattern because yes, I mean he he has talent, but the things that he's doing and the way that he's running his offense, I I, I like it. I like it. He's utilizing play action. He's utilizing motion. It's things that you know you're pounding your head on the table because Justin keeps on talking about these things, but he's doing things that make that help out your quarterback. And it makes things easier on your quarterback. There's nothing in third time I'm saying it this episode, there's nothing easy for Daniel Jones. Lo and behold, the one out of the two plays where Daniel Jones, it was actually nearly a 20-yard gain, or Daniel Jones did have a 20 plus yard gain from this past game. In the first quarter, it was a play action fake. It was out of the shotgun, play action fake to Freeman, pulled it back, and it was uh Ratley that was wide open towards the middle of the field, kind of kind of ran like a deep slant. So I'm looking at the expected points added NFL tiers. You have offenses like the Bengals, the Cardinals, the the Panthers, the Falcons that are kind of in the middle of the pack. Then you have offenses like the Texans, the Chargers, and the Bears that are kind of a little bit lower on the lower tier. Then there's the lowest. Then out I, I, here, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Moneyball reference. There's the lowest tier with the Broncos, Washington Football Club, and Eagles. Then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us with the Jets and the Giants.
1: Yeah, it's it's horrible. All right,
2: next mailback question. Next mailback question is going to be from TG Vigilante at Computer Folk Penic. former formerly known as If Judge decides it's time to shake up the offense and he changes play caller, play caller duties who would you rather get the role, Shuplinski or Kitchens or someone else on the staff? So we're
1: gonna go quick through these next questions just because time. Sorry um, if we got to you a little late. We just spent a lot of time ranting on stuff. I would say Shuplinski, um, because that is judges guy. Kitchens, Kitchens kind of intrigues me because he was a horrible head coach and everything was downfield. But at this point, I would take like I would take everything downfield versus the <laughs> exact opposite. Um, and maybe he learned so. Um. Uh, I would assume that is Chiplinski, but maybe Kitchens. You know, Joe Judge does have t- you know long time ties with Kitchens, and he has. He's he was a play caller for the last you know twenty four, twenty five, six, twenty six games of his um, of his coaching career.
2: Yeah, I, I don't really know. You're you're talking about this is a this is. A I know great Freddie question. would at
1: least be like, go out there and play ball, boy. Like where, yeah, yeah. where Jason Garrett's the opposite.
2: Yeah, where. I would want to say it's Shuplinsky because maybe they're that's how they're forming him. They're forming him to be the quarterback coach. And usually the quarterback coach, you kind of follow that overall trajectory, moveward, upward in the organization. And from quarterback coach, you go to offensive coordinator next. So, but I don't know enough about Shuplinsky. The only thing that we yeah. really know is the is the interview that we had from our friends down in Miami, and they said glowing things about him where they actually thought that he would be the next up at offensive coordinator, so that's yeah. good. And the thing with Kitchens is that we've already seen what he has, so do you want to try to retread and repeat that again and then possibly lose Shuplinsky? Where, it not, scares he, me with Shuplinsky is
1: he worked so much with Brady and these short area guys where it's like, I'm going to do the same thing. So that's why Freddie Kitchens is like, you know what? Let's just go out there and wing it because what we're doing now I, is not working.
2: I think there is a way to be smart about it, though, Bobby, because Sean Payton and Drew Brees, for the large majority of Drew Brees' latter end of the career, has been his average depth of target and his time to throw. But it's very, very low. But and I know that. And he, I know, I know it, exactly, exactly. That's but not who I'm he is. just saying that there, there is a smart way to do it. Eventually, so. as the
1: as his career goes on, you want him. But Young, let him make some. Mis- like I said, make mistakes downfield. Not at five-yard intervals. All right, got to go quick through these last ones.
2: Got it.
0: Justin and Bobby. Hey, it's Eric. <clears throat> Naples, Florida. Florida. Home from work for a couple hours. You guys have a great show. First time in a long time. Just wanted to say a couple things. Not really a question so much, but we lack leadership as a whole. We don't have players like role, like... Taylor like Carson we, you know the glory days are way over we know that but I still blame Jerry Reese this roster is so depleted and I still blame Reese and Gelman just continued the trend so I don't see a lot of hope we're 12 and 42 since that playoff game give me something to feel good about giant blue all day long love you guys see ya
1: love you too Eric um, so we're not going to really answer that question just because it's time-consuming. And, like, sorry, next time, Eric, if you call in, we'll put you at the beginning of the show. Here's what that made me think of, though, because he was mentioning old guys. How nice was it to see all my heroes singing about Eli Manning for the Tom Coughlin fund?
2: That was a bop. I loved that, it, man. I, I listened to that Just seeing those times. guys
1: makes me so happy. Seeing I all those guys. Find... Seeing Rich Soybert dancing around and Sean O'Hara and Tuck and all. Like, those guys are my heroes, man. And I, I, I hope I hope we have some... Heroes for today's teenagers
2: on this team. Blake Martinez. Um, I need to find the whole video. That's what I need to do. That's my that's my big item on my to-do list tomorrow, is find that whole video of them singing that Taylor Swift song.
1: All right. Last voicemail, and then we'll finish off a couple of Hello, gentlemen. This is Matt calling from
0: Connecticut. My question is mostly for Bobby. If the Giants win in Dallas this weekend and or score 30 or more points, is the Super Bowl race back on?
1: First time, long time. Thank you. All right, so if we win against Dallas, we will celebrate like it's a Super Bowl. I don't care if people are like, oh, it's one game. We're still one of four. I don't care. We are going to celebrate like crazy, Justin. I just want you to know that we are going to savor no. every victory this year.
2: No, absolutely. I may even go on a little bit of a rant on Friday about the Dallas Cowboys caused me so, and I'm going to have to do it without cursing. Dallas Cowboys caused me so much pain. I'm going to save it. I'm gonna save it. Just know it's coming. I may even write something out. Um, I freaking hate the Cowboys. I, I hate I can't. Ray, oh, all right. Um two two final questions, Bobby. K G at K N N G Y N R. Keenan.
1: He's a Patreon. Kenan.
2: When will the bleeding finally stop? With like a sad face emoji that goes like this. When you put the YouTube tampon to Keenan. The YouTube crowd got to see me do that. And then Mr. Brownstone.
1: Well, can we answer T- Keenan's question? When will well, the bleeding it's, stop? They're
2: kind of They're kind of similar put the, They're kind of similar questions. It, How about that? Oh, put a tampon. Put a tampon on it. Yeah. We're on to Dallas. He's a patron, so he gets it. We're on to Dallas in parentheses. Y'all ready for this W? First of many, hashtag 12 and 4.
1: 12 and 4. 77 to 0. Super Bowl champions. It's happening. It is happening. Should we even
2: do an interview? We
1: got an email from this place that was asking about maybe having Orlando Skandrick on. So I guess there's a Cowboys podcast now. Should we do an interview for Divisional Rivals?
2: Are we going to interview Orlando Skandrick? Can we have Orlando Skandrick on and then just harass him? That would be funny. Could
1: we do? (laughs) Now, this is the connection I've made, and they try and be nice and like want to hook us up. So that would be kind of messed up. Maybe we could just be like, hey, man just just roast Jason Garrett have, will you come on just,
2: yes okay that's a good middle ground
1: yes his publicist didn't reply so we'll see so we might have just got people's expectations up and they're not getting it um so we'll we'll see i'll send, i'll reply i'll send it a follow up email in the morning all right screw the cowboys do you got anything else before we roll we're, we're we're about to hit 1 hour can we put um the blue screw song in the YouTube video and just see if it gets flagged Let's try it.
2: I don't know cuz you didn't I don't know if you let you didn't leave enough time. You didn't leave enough time for Steve to for Steve to do his thing. You can't cut it up. I mean, uh like I can I can have him just include the video. That's what I was thinking. And then it, and then it cuts back to us. Yeah. Okay, we can try that.
1: Yeah, let's try that. Let's try that. Okay. Um a little on It's very editing. quick and early. Yeah. Yeah, a little okay. on-air editing. Right there. Send, All right. Send me send me the video. I will. I will. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll let's beat the Cowboys. I know this is act, now I'm talking like it's a is a preview show. Enjoy enjoy the Giants. I don't know. I don't know even know what I'm saying. Don't jump off bridges, Gordy. No. Tim Coffee, don't do it. Don't do it. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.